people want to believe. We just tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it isn't so easy to understand? This is No God. You are listening to the No God Podcast. I am Micah, and I am here with my mom and dad, Sandy and Tony. Hello, Micah. Hi, Micah. So what are your highlights of the week? Highlights of the week. Oh, I know what your dad's is. Oh, yeah, right. Um, got my keyhole garden reset. Yes, I have been collecting cardboard for quite yep. a while for you for that. Yep. Stole some from work just to... Yep. to and up. I have friends at the church workplace that I was at who gather cardboard for me, and it's a whole thing. I've been doing it for years, but now in retirement years, I don't get to just collect it myself and bring it home. I have to have people help me with it, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> How much cardboard is required? Well, depends on the size of your keyhole garden, but mine, which is a... Which is what we're talking about. Yeah, which is a basically a cylinder that is uh, 32 inches tall and six feet across. Okay. So it takes a, a cubic yard and a half. I, don't, I, I, was hand, I was handing him lots of cardboard. Yeah. I don't know. And then you needed about the equivalent in Omaha. Now, Keyhole Gardens vary based on the climate, like how warm it is, how humid it is. And so in Omaha, I have refined it <laughs> because in some places they do like four compost, like four uh, kitchen compost type stuff, okay. vegetable, plant compost. Right. To, so four to one on cardboard or actually... Sorry, I said that wrong. It's four cardboard to one compost. Okay. First year I did that, great. And then you put a little topsoil on top to grow the plants, and it just didn't function. And the next year, all that cardboard, well, not all, but much of the cardboard was still there, hadn't decomposed. Okay. So, talked to Deb Tolan down in Texas, Dr. Deb Deb Tolan, who is a person that has helped a lot of communities set up community keyhole gardens. And she said, well, you just, she said, you just need to reduce the amount of carbon, which is the cardboard, mm-hmm. and increase the amount of nitrogen. So I finally, I did a two to one, and then I basically go pretty close to one to one now. And it works, but it takes a lot more compost, mm-hmm. which is anymore, most restaurants and most grocery chains will not give you castaway food. Huh. So do you get it yourself? I have to, we have to accumulate it here at the house. Okay. <laughs> but got it done, here. got it covered. There was a little tiny, like barely a skiff of one inch of snow this week. And I had, that was my goal is to get it done before any more moisture fell, because right. that's the best way to make that thing function well. Um, probably on Patreon, I'll just probably post a, my video of keyhole gardening yes. on the free, anybody can access it kind okay. of thing. So we'll do that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do we have for today? For today, (laughs) well, from gardening to keeping vigil (laughs) or keeping watch. All right. So, uh, that's what we want to talk about because this is, as we're recording this podcast, and a person may be listening at any time of year, but as we're recording this podcast, we're moving toward Easter. We're we're well into Lent season, which not all people know what that is and not all churches know recognize that or don't they don't talk about it but lint is basically a a process of focusing on spiritual things so that a person can have a close relationship with god and understand the suffering of christ better Mm -hmm. and so that's the lint and so then some churches will have some type of vigil events called vigils actually they'll, they'll call it um and it's a time when people gather together by definition, vigil means night. Okay. Um, but I know people do it otherwise. But think about it. Who's going to have a candlelight vigil at noon? Unless it's in a dark Alaskans building. in the winter. Oh, thank you. I, 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 yeah, you're right. But not all vigils have candlelight, right? Right. Okay. Exactly. But that's the deal. And so you have all kinds of vigils. And so we just kind of want to talk about not just vigils per se, although that's going to be a lot of our focus, but we want to talk about practicing or applying mindfulness practices in participation of a vigil. And by the way, a vigil can be a a time 
that a person um, is doing it alone uh-huh. or they're doing it in a group. Okay. And again, the mm-hmm. purpose is uh, the vigil is at night or, you know, some type of evening thing that is for the purpose of quietly reflecting on something. So that's vigil. All right. And they can be guided. So in religious orders, like I was saying, for monks and, and monasteries, by the time you get to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth centuries of Christianity, you have different monasteries or, or cloisters of groups of monks mm-hmm. and male and female, not typically in the same place. And then you have that whole system that has come about in various religious uh, denominations. But it is a time for devotions. And so vigils in those traditions are focused on a call to listening with love to God. It's because, and just think about that. I'm missing my sleep. I'm listening lovingly to God. It's like I, it's like the romance uh, kind of ideal that we're so in love that we can stay up late into the night just talking or just being with each other. <laughs> oh my, I'm getting, I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting fun stares. Much like what Sandy and I do frequently. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> Oh, definitely, definitely. And that's, and that's so, I kind of say that because that's where vigils get derailed because people have had a lot of, or have, maybe have had some experience with vigils. Some people have had a lot of experience with them and it's, it's not necessarily a great memory. Mom, do you have any experience with vigils? Uh, Yes, I was mentioning some stuff to these guys before we started here. Yeah, as a elementary child. Um, I think it was on Wednesday evenings anyway, our church had prayer meetings and I don't know if everybody drug their children along, but my parents definitely did. And so we're there for an hour on our knees and people taking turns praying or pillows praying aloud no praying out loud okay you know i don't i mean i now i think about it did they just butt in when they wanted to pray i don't know because i didn't pay attention you know i was daydreaming (laughs) (laughs) um but it sure did not set me on a good track for ever wanting to be involved in a prayer meeting or a vigil i never really heard of vigil until i was an adult but yeah and i suppose for those adults it was great i don't know but so let's just think a little bit more of a definition that I ran across of vigils in a book that is called Seasons of the Day, um, kind of a layman's guide to uh, keeping vigil. And in that quote, it says, because we have so much restless, restlessness and noise in us, we find it hard to nurture a listening attitude. And so for vigils in that tradition the vigil was to to create a listening attitude toward people and toward god and when you think about it even public vigils are best if people are not focusing on themselves they're focused on the moment the people around them and trying to focus on uh, trying to be aware of god which then leads us to why this is in our mindfulness series, because the best expression of vigil is a mindfulness in the moment of what, who and what is, are around us. And that's vigil. And so a person can be very creative with keeping vigil. Mm-hmm. And the thing that would make, again, I would just say the thing that makes a vigil unique is that a person has, um, cut into what would normally be their sleep time. It's not to make it, it's not, it's not like it's a penance thing that you're gonna somehow earn more because of that. It's because when vigil, the concept of vigil started, it was applied to the watch schedules of soldiers at night. Someone had the first vigil, second vigil, this is night watch. Okay. But then Christianity and other religions kind of grabbed that concept and said, well, somebody who is, because think, you're not keeping awake just to punish, to make life difficult for yourself. You're keeping awake 
to keep watch. And keep watch is in the moment. And so that's the bridge word actually to our English translations from vigil to this is that we're going to find in most English translations the the conversation about keeping watch more than right. keeping vigil. Although one of the translations I probably find in my notes here in a little bit is, does actually use the word vigil. But that would only that would be a translation that people would know what that means. Right. Most of us wouldn't know what that means, which is really kind of where we want to go because soldiers on guard then moves us to the concept that Jesus asked his disciples to keep watch with him in a certain situation, and let's just read that because that's kind of one of our big. This is kind of our big picture text for this podcast okay. is from Mark chapter fourteen, thirty-two to forty-two. Okay. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter. <laughs> what happened? So they failed. They failed. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Yep, that was, yeah, they failed. Okay, so now i got to find my place again. Okay, here we go. Jesus came and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I, I don't think you read that with the proper exasperation. Okay, why don't you read it for me? Uh, no, no, okay. Continue. I mean, Jesus didn't get exasperated, did he? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> we keep watch well, this thing, for an hour? Okay, think about it. Here's Jesus in great anguish. Distress. Distress and anguish. Yes. Keep watch with me. And he goes, and he had just really focused in the moment of, in the moment, prayer to God. Uh-huh. And he kind of looks over to, he goes, walks over to the other guys. He goes, oh, okay. I see what's <laughs> yeah, going on. Is, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Oh, is that better? <laughs> Much better. Watch mm-hmm. and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the son is to be delivered into the hands... I'm sorry, I put a word in there that changed the meaning of all this. Look, the son is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Okay, first attempt at vigil for the Christian community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think this should encourage Sandy yep. to realize as a child in a Wednesday night prayer meeting. You did better. You did not fall asleep. You did not fall asleep. Well, I don't think so, anyway. But keep watch. That's the word. Um, and it is, it is encouraging to us that we know it's not, that, that there's a bit, to be ready for it. Um, I don't know. Maybe Jesus should have told him, now we're going to go to the garden and we're going <laughs> to... Well, they did have a really nice dinner before this, right? And, and yes. pretty, trim, very distressful in some ways since Jesus again be, had said to them, I'm going to die. And they had a lot of wine. And But they still didn't get it. No, right? they didn't get it. He even said he did what we, you know, out of the Passover, he then instituted, he created this new ceremony, this new remembrance for Christians of mm-hmm. communion. This is my body. This is my blood's poured out for you. You know, they, it's still, so <clears throat> sometimes even in the moment, we can't get it. And what is the, the concept of vigil, which again, keeping watch would be the same, is to be in the moment and to notice, to notice, to notice. And sometimes we we don't notice the first time around. The, the disciples didn't notice the ramifications of no. what Jesus was saying. They didn't really know what was about to happen. No, and they're going, man. We you know this is late now. 
And now we're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, which again was a place that, that we think of Garden Gethsemane as a very religious place, but it was just an olive grove. Okay. And it was a place that they commonly went to for that purpose. But not the, that's not the first time that Jesus took them to that place. I'm going to spend a little time praying. But in this particular case, I'm sure they were exhausted. It was pass. It was holiday week. It was Passover week. It was coming to the end of a whole week. Think of a being Christmas season or even Easter season or any other kind mm-hmm. of of lead up to something big season. And now we're going to spend an hour praying when we really are ready to go to bed. Kneeling on the gravel or okay. whatever they were. On. Yes. yes. Well, an orchard. An orchard. Yeah. Olive orchard. So is, this is a side trail, you don't have to go where if you don't want to, but so is communion a vigil? When we participate in communion, is that a vigil? It can be, except that it misses the definition of sleep time. Anytime sleep time if you want it to be. <laughs> Vigil's always during sleep time. Well, in, in, its, in its fundamental meaning of keeping watch okay okay you said that earlier sorry yeah no it's okay um good questions and also but it is a vigil-esque yes it is it is a remembrance because we are talking about keeping watch but then again there's no rules about this because one there is no rules in the bible about vigil Mm -hmm. except this in this particular circumstance jesus told his disciples to pray while I pray over here right. and keep watch. So a sunrise service leading up to Easter could be a vigil. Could be. Because I would have been asleep still. Mm-hmm. Actually, I get up early, so that's not true. But for some people. Right. So he told him to pray and to keep watch? Yeah, well, let's see what he said here. It said, da, 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 um, my soul is overwhelmed. Uh, stay here and keep watch. So he didn't he didn't say pray. Okay. He said keep watch. Now you could totally secularize that moment and say they were supposed to be on guard duty. Right. Because again, the New Testament was not written in Latin, it was written in Greek. Right. But they were using a word keep watch. Could have meant when they pay knew, attention. They knew people were out to get Jesus. Right. Well, I don't think they knew that they he whether he'd be it was imminently going to be arrested. There's no reason to believe that he was hmm. eminently going to be arrested. Okay. More yes. so than any other time. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so then Jesus goes and prays. And then he comes back to them and says, keep watch. And then the second time. So after the first time, mm-hmm. then he gives a little more specific instruction. Watch and pray. Right. Okay. That's where you would have seen that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So gave them an activity to try to help them stay awake. Right. <laughs> Good. And a purpose. A little more design. Okay, keep... so keep you watching don't work, so keep watching and pray. Yes. And gave them a reason. So that you don't fall you don't fall into, fall into, into trial. And remember, I mean again, this is a, just a kind of remember no, uh, but a truth about the English when English has the word temptation. There may be the Greek word behind it that's being translated. That means both trial or temptation. Okay. Oh. Not trial in the sense of court trial, right. but trial in the sense of challenge. Right. Hmm. Okay. So what we see, and I, I'm kind of jumping ahead to mm-hmm. the podcast, but this makes it to where we can just touch on it later. Right. And that is Jesus impromptu gives them a format and gives them a reason. Right. And I think that in group vigil, you have to have a format and you have to have a clear purpose. Okay. Otherwise, it doesn't work very well as a group activity. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Right. And that's not, that could be vigil for the person over in the corner that's totally, because if you're going to be, Watching for in the moment, then you are noticing all the chaos around you. Right. I am curious, Sandy. And for if, those of us with uh, attention problems, yes, for that does not work. For your prayer meetings, what was it that got your attention? Like distracted you? Was it your physical pain of kneeling? Was it? 
Well, it was both, and you know, and there were certain people that always, you know, did weird things or said weird things, and and you're, you know, looking under the pew to see the kid on the other side. <laughs> Oh, you she's know? doing a little wave there, by the way. <laughs> she just looked, looked under, under the, the table. table waving. <laughs> I mean, you know, mm-hmm. as a ch- kid, I didn't pay right. attention. Right. But you were in the moment. I mean, you were not paying attention in the moment. You were, you were living in the moment. Yes. I was very in tune to everything that was going yes. on around me, looking at right. until I get whacked on the head if mm. my parents noticed yeah. that I wasn't okay. focused. Yeah. <laughs> At least Jesus didn't whack his disciples on the head. <laughs> That's true. I, in mindfulness, mindfulness is not about worrying about the future. <clears throat> because Jesus, even in his prayer here in this Garden of Gethsemane, is speaking specifically to, what does he say? Everything's possible. Take this cup from me not what I will but your will be done that's in the moment Mm -hmm. yes he's aware of the suffering ahead but he's already entered into suffering and sometimes people haven't really pondered that part but the the thought of well it wasn't just a thought for Christians theologically we're we are told later by the Apostles Mm -hmm. through their writings that Jesus took on the sins of the world. And so sometimes people kind of make that very like whatever detached, but it does seem like that Jesus was beginning to feel the weight of the sins of the world. Didn't he sweat like drops of blood or whatever? Yes, that's that's in Luke. I also might just note that not all translations are going to have that verse because it is considered one of those verses that maybe was true, but wasn't originally in Luke's record and it got inserted in later because of the line of text. And that's somebody's listening. They're going, what? What? So it could have been more oral tradition that later. Yes. Oral that people talked about. It was preached even in the gospel, but. Luke wrote, when he wrote his gospel, Luke was not an eyewitness. Right, right, uh, of right. the gospel writers, Luke and maybe Mark to a degree, but for sure Luke was not an eyewitness. He spoke to eyewitnesses and wrote down what they saw. Okay. And so he summarized the story, you know, did his part. So anyway, but still it's like, yes, there was this, it seems to be, I mean, it seems there's no reason to not believe it. What didn't happen It's just maybe wasn't in the original record. Right, okay. So let's, let's move ahead from there because vigil is about keeping watch. But then we come to <clears throat> the women keeping watch. But this was not nighttime, although it was dark because it was a miraculous darkness that occurred while Jesus was on the cross. But the next day, Jesus is now being crucified. Verse 44 of Luke chapter 23. And I'm just going to summarize. It was about noon. Darkness came over the whole land uh, until three in the afternoon. Uh, the sun stopped shining or was, you know, we call even a heavy overcast, or maybe, you know, we don't know, but that's, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. They didn't know that at the moment from the, the, the hill, but they would have known that later. So you got Luke recording things that happened. Right. So he records them differently because he wasn't an eyewitness. He was telling what eyewitnesses give him. Right. So he's summarizing it. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man, or some, or actually it says, uh, a son of God. Right. He, you know, he wasn't a Jew. He didn't understand all the theology behind that, but he realized this, this should not have happened. This was a very unique person. When all the people who had gathered to witness this site, so there's the, the, the rubberneckers, the, the, the curious public, and also people just trying to figure out what's going on, uh, saw what they took, what took place. They beat their breasts and went away. That's a symbol of great awe, respect, reverence, sorrow, sorrow mainly. All who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, uh, stood at a distance watching these things or keeping watch. So they were doing a vigil that was different. They were at the cross watching Jesus die. Yeah. 
Um, but kind of in a, instead of a cutting into their sleep time, this was they put themselves in a place they would not normally be because they needed to witness. Yes. Well, in possible, I mean, again, we we are left to assume motives, mm-hmm. but they were. It was his mother, and the women that followed Jesus, but also then had close relationship with his right. mother. And and it doesn't say it here, but in the Gospel of John, John points out. Mm, by the way, I was there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, they were doing what women do. Supporting I each would, other, they were there supporting Mary, and yeah. then some of them was like his aunt or something, and yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, they were there, right? Yeah, and they were keeping watch, and they, in essence, were guarding. They were ready to take charge of his body, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they wanted to make sure, but they didn't have the authority to do it. But they were they they weren't going to have someone walk away with his body that. that his mother didn't know where they were taking him. Right. You know, when you just kind of think about that, that's that's an in-the-moment vigil. Mm-hmm. Mary is there experiencing her emotions and the women with her, and then the, all of the other people that were either, because uh, you had also the high priests and stuff who were there to make sure it actually happened. So they right. weren't keeping vigil in any kind of sense, except that they, they were making sure that he was executed. But there were plenty of people that were like back and forth about, whether or not they believed Jesus who he was. They did, like the Roman centurion, knew that he was a righteous man. And they were there for their own reasons. But again, vigil is about in the moment. And so I would like, I mean, I just think that when we think about how I might keep vigil on a plan of my own, because we can do solo vigils, we begin to see things are piling up in my life, horrible things. And I need a moment. And it's not a moment to solve problems. It's not a moment to do anything except to just mindfully get back in the moment. To breathe. To feel. To weep. Or to laugh. Any of those things. So those are our guides. It echoes, and I'm just going to mention the passage. We'll put it in the, the description but in Exodus chapter 12, 41 to 43, we also have that the night of Passover when the Israel left Egypt, it does tell us that same night, as it was being described, that they should repeat this mm-hmm. practice once a year. So Passover becomes described in this way. <clears throat> for uh, I'm reading on the New Revised Standard Version. That was for the Lord a night of vigil. To bring them out of the land of Egypt. That same night is a vigil to be kept for the Lord by all the Israelites throughout their generations. Now the New New Revised Standard Version has chosen to actually use the word vigils because the New Revised Standard Version was a version that had been uh, authorized by the World Council of Churches. And so it was typically used more in what we would call the... uh, the uh, traditional denominations, the mainline denominations, Catholicism, Episcopal, Methodist, Presbyterian, and they all have events that are called vigils. Mm -hmm. And so in the Revised Standard Version and then the new Revised Standard Version, people would have, the typical churches that were using that as their go-to Bible, people would have had a background to understand that. People that are from other churches that have no concept of vigils are not going to know what that means for sure. So, what kinds of situations draw us to keep vigil? I'll just go through just a few ideas. Times of spiritual renewal. In other words, I'm just going through a lot of change in my life. Not just like jobs and stuff, but like my thinking is changing. My faith is changing. A vigil might be a good thing to do uh, Mm -hmm. even more than once. Um, Times of holiday and celebration. That's very obvious from what we're talking about here. All the way from Lent would be like you've got the template of the Garden of Gethsemane or the upper room passages as as a framework to guide a vigil for a person or a group in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, a time of a huge challenge or big changes in life. Going to move, you moved from one place to another. You're getting ready to move from one location to another and it's a lot of mixed feelings or whatever. And a vigil is a time to just be in the moment, not worry about the future, not totally grieve the past, but just to say, this is 
this is a moment that I'm marking and I want to experience God in this moment and mm-hmm. experience with whoever is going to do this with me. Right. Um, times of tragedy and chaos. And then also times of death, which then leads us to a very short conversation about wakes. Okay. Um, because wakes are vigils. And it, interestingly enough for myself, I remember as a child, I was a very young elementary child. Somebody in our church died and they were from a, well, they had a custom in their family that would have come from their experience in their ancestors in Europe that they did a a legit wake, Mm -hmm. which we often think of wakes now as, you know, lots of beer and people chatting about the deceased one. But the wake at its best in that sense is... Um, a time that families and friends gathered together as often in that what it stood out to me as a child was it was in their home so the casket with the body was in their home and it was in their home I remember for at least two days okay so instead of in a viewing room at a mortuary it was at the home and that was the custom of that family and there probably were other families in my community this was early 60s right. 1960s um, that were still doing that and that is a time to, to, to mark the transition of death in the presence of the deceased loved one, the presence of their body. So the wake. And so then there are other traditions that are associated with that all the way from we need to be here to protect them from mm-hmm. evil. Mm-hmm. But also it was as much about being in the moment with the deceased loved one. And so that brings us to that I'll just mention it because that could be a whole other podcast. There are funeral homes now in the Western world and in the United States that are going back to a legit wake for families, whether they do it in the home, but the funeral homes are glad to do it in their facilities. I hate to say it because some people are a little queasy about doing that in their home, but also um, it's a, it's a bigger space publicly, but I, I kind of expect that this will be a bit of a revived custom and think about it. People are doing it, but without the un, they're doing it now with a cremated body. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if a child at, okay. So just my experience with, you know, my little sister dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as you were saying all that, I thought, I don't know that I could have taken that, because I remember sitting in the funeral home, there's the casket open, staring at her. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to go in that place again. Right. Mm-hmm. And have that casket with her in it at home? I don't know what that would have done well, to me. And you're right. I think that that's a good question. We're not going to have time to answer it totally, but I do want to just suggest this. What if, and again, I don't know for sure, even as long as we've been married, I don't know if I know the answer to this. <laughs> What if there had been an aunt or a cousin or a brother or sister or a mom or a dad or a grandparent who would have encouraged you to just talk about your sister in that setting rather than have to sit there solemnly? What do you think? I mean, that might have made a difference. I mean, we didn't do that, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, but. Yeah. I would say that, and again, this is a vigil in the sense of, in association with the wake, I think that we, we could probably benefit if we really had a plan, um, had a custom. Yeah. Because a custom is just the habit of a plan that somebody came up with, or at least trial and error came up with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and that's not the point of this podcast, but the point is to be in the moment. And that does touch on your, I can't remember the word you said, because you said there needed to be a, I think, purpose and a program well a, a, temp, a, a template a a a plan yeah this so is, this is the design taking that with the wake if there had been someone there to direct mom's attention emotions you know to give a, a, a way forward type of thing then it wouldn't have just been there and just everything running wild yeah and I don't know, you know, I don't know what was happening with adults. I mean, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. I just remember my oldest brother and I sitting there. Right. And the adults are all ignored. So doing you... stuff, and we were just there. Yeah. You know? There's um, 
a little bit of a rabbit trail, but there's, um, uh, it's it's a on Netflix. There's a the Haunting of Hill House. It's a horror movie. Not recommending it, but there is a really great moment in it where they have a child is seeing her deceased mother in a funeral home, and the what do you call the person that runs the mortuary? Mortuary. Mortician. Director. Mortician. Or funeral director. And the mortician yeah. steps in into that moment and gives her sort of a, a direction to think about this and to experience it and help calm down the child. And it was it was very good. And it did remind me of, you know, when my sister passed away, I remember the wife of the mortician sort of doing that with me as well and giving that moment um, a, a point or, you know, a way to go forward will make it, I think, less traumatic than what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And think about, again, Acts chapter 9, the very end of that chapter, there's a story that not everybody realizes is there, but it's a story about Dorcas, also named Tabitha, Let's just who, call her Tabitha. who died. Tabitha died, and Peter was sent there to raise her from the dead, which is a whole different story, but right. I mean, a whole different purpose. But they were there, and when he arrived... Do you remember the story? Mm-hmm. What were the women doing? Showing him the clothing and stuff she had made for them. For the poor. For the poor. For them yeah, and for the, the poor. Yeah, it was the poor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so a vigil, so there's, the, there's the heart of the vigil. It's in the moment. It is, here's this clothing that this woman had made for me, and it is, and I am clothed because of this person. And talk about, there's the format yeah. for awake is... This is what we celebrate, and this is also what we grieve. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that we kind of had that kind of stuff happening when, uh, with Yvonne's yes. funeral, mm-hmm. you know, where there were things of hers around that, you know, people, and this stuff, people that, well, yeah, people that got up and said things and what, I don't know. I'm Yeah, and we of, had a very good support network around us for the whole time. Oh, yeah. Right. And so in that sense, you think about the vigil wake thing is a little bit free form. Right. But at the same time, there's this purpose of celebration and of embracing the grief in the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, again, awake is better if it we're not going, oh, stop crying or, you know, oh, you know, that I need to leave the room because right. I'm grieving. It is it's in the moment. Yeah. With everybody. And we. And we don't judge what's going on. We just live it. Yeah, we experience mm-hmm. it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is at the core of a vigil is that we are experiencing the moment. That's really good. So I didn't necessarily realize that we would talk about this that much. <laughs> Candlelight vigils are the same kind of thing where a person, this typically is, we hear that in the news frequently. I mean, you, if you Google candlelight vigil, oh, yeah. there will oh, yeah. be no end to that list right. around the world usually of a tragic death yep. mm-hmm. or the death of someone who was extremely significant to many people. Right. Right. And again, funeral homes are kind of helping with that, but, it, and also churches and pastors and priests and such are helping that process. So that's a good thing when you think about, but so let's move away from the, the grief heavy right. side yep. mm-hmm. and let's go more toward the celebrative Christmas side. And yep. what is a typical, service that some churches will have uh the the, the candlelight candle christmas eve service yes candlelight yeah. vigil a chance to get wax on the pews that's right <laughs> and so we go to battery operated candles <laughs> no you just put the little round circle of uh-huh. you know paper yep. yeah and don't give one to a child it, it's it's hilarious um but the candlelight then focuses focuses a theme if it's done well, at least in the Christian community, and I think also in many other religious communities, but we take a scripture that focuses this, and of course for Christians, the premier passage is in John 8, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by lighting a candle, reading that passage, we are reminded that in a very physical, visual way, in the moment, Jesus is the light of the world. And of course, it's always impressive. I I enjoy candlelight services, um, if only candlelight is on, mm-hmm. it, all the other lights are off, because there's a tremendous amount of light that can come be from come from candles. Mm-hmm. Even one candle 
can is a lot brighter when it's the only light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so vigil can be that and candlelight services are again a thing if persons want to keep vigil, a candlelight is often a good focus. I know that for Sandy and I, your mother and I, we did we lit a candle for Yvonne every Christmas. Uh -huh. And we did it for the day and we did that for a number of years. And it was not vigil per se, except that if we paused at that individually for a moment, that became a vigil moment mm -hmm. for us to do that. So that's a lot of territory. Yeah. That's it a is. lot of territory. <laughs> um, and so if the concept of keeping vigil is to become more mindful in this series. I mean, people mm -hmm. could do vigils otherwise, but a mindfulness vigil, how do we do that? Coming up last in Lent here in this season, and, and if a person is listening at any other time of year, just apply it to the time yeah. of year that you're in. The, those seasons can be extremely hectic. They can be crazy. They can be loud. I mean, Christmas is, tends to be more loud than the lead up to Easter. But you think about Mardi Gras. That's the whole concept of Mardi Gras. Is this is the big hurrah before we move into a vigil. Right. <laughs> I mean, not strictly just vigil, but that's it. Um, and so in Easter week, there's the Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter <laughs> Sunday. And so if a person's in a church tradition that has those, and maybe you, if you have a friend that's in that church tradition, maybe you want to just go see what that's like. And yeah. I can't guarantee the experience for you. <laughs> but when you think about if I'm going for the purpose of vigil, then I need to have in mind, I need to know what their purpose is right. and to see if I can like, let that be the in the moment purpose for me. So again, Mark 14 that we already read Jesus in the garden can become a pattern, which is obviously there's a, there's a method. We're going to sit here for an hour and we're going to sit here for a time and end up being an hour. And then Jesus comes back the second time and gives him more instruction for that. And Jesus himself is keeping vigil. And so you have to decide how it's going to be experienced for you. Yeah. In order for it to be effective. Keeping vigils mindfully would be a reminder from what we talked about a couple podcasts ago from the book um, Practicing Mindfulness. Matthew Sokolov, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And in his list of nine aspects of mindfulness, practicing mindfulness, I kind of I saw five of them that made sense for me with vigil. And I just kind of want to remind yeah. us what those are. Being fully present. Mm -hmm. In other words, not distracted. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're going to take a child to a vigil, you really, you have to think about the experience for that child before you arrive. Uh -huh. Well, and it's going to be distracting for you. Yes. If you're, yep. if you're actually paying attention to the child. <laughs> right. But you could come up with a way, this is how mm -hmm. I'm going to pay attention to the child and still keep vigil. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So plan it in. Don't just, don't just walk in the room and think it's all going to work mm -hmm. for your child. Yeah. And even for yourself. Right. Right. <laughs> so being fully present, letting, again, a mindfulness concept is letting go of judgment. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're just in the moment. We're not making any evaluations about anything in the room or anything in this experience. Being uh, equanimous. Is that a okay. word? Okay. What is that? I did this the other podcast. Oh, I already forgot. Mis mispronounced it. Anyway, what does that mean? Does it it mean? means being even tempered with everybody around you. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, and okay. and being inviting, but yet not not at the same time not being like jolly. It is just mm. just being. If anyone knows how to pronounce this word, please uh, email us at <laughs> yeah, or you know, well, email record it, record it, and send it on an email <laughs> to <laughs> no god at tonykafka.com. That would be fun. Um, and then another one of the aspects of mindfulness is allowing everything and slash everybody to belong, right? which is kind of an implication of no judgment, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. is nothing is happening here that is going that robs the moment because it is part of the moment. Yeah. I think for me personally, uh, a takeaway that I'm going to from this that I'm going to have is I think the candle is a very useful thing for me bless you mom oh, um oh sneezes happen um <laughs> in i am very easily distracted as anyone that knows amen me knows. amen <laughs> um i was his school teacher in grade school <laughs> but the the candle 
gives a great point of focus. Mm -hmm. So like looking at the flame, kind of making sure the wax doesn't fall off, stuff like that. It takes up just enough space in my head to keep me from noticing everything else around me and can keep me more present. Yeah. That's a good idea. Which imitate, or it, it does the same thing as the first practice of mindfulness, which is... Breathing. Breathe in, I breathe in. In other words, mm-hmm. to just notice the breathing, nothing yep. else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One last thing, interestingly enough, in the nine aspects of practicing mindfulness, this is not necessarily his list of number nine, but one of them in that that I'm going to wrap up with on this is that my, that a vigil is an opportunity to be open to making a friend. Being present, focusing on another person, just, again, this in a sequence, I'm not making any judgments. I don't say this one thing that this person does annoys me. It's just that I am present with this person or this group of people, the immediate people around me, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I think that practicing group vigil, those are going to be keys. And yeah. individual, like solo vigil, is also no judgment. Um, it's I think the candle is a is a good something to focus on is a good thing. It could be just something else uh, in the room. And some people can literally do like Jesus did, which he was focused on God the Father. Mm-hmm. I know that's a big, that's a tall challenge for us, but that's, yeah. that's what it is. So that's kind of where we want to wrap up this this podcast is, how will you keep vigil? Yeah. Um, create or find, develop a plan for yourself. It can be very simple. Like these are just the two or three things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if it's a group, then to communicate that plan everybody else this is our this is our purpose if you want to be a part of this great if you don't then we're keeping vigil in this way Um, recognize the occasion set a time place companions focus all that kind of stuff there is if it's going to be group vigil you got to have a plan and even individual vigil the less things that we have planned out ahead of time the more distractions we're going to have yeah Um, and so in traditional churches Easter time, a pre-Easter time, Lent time, maybe a time to, for example, go to a church that does Stations of the Cross. Mm. There are more non-mainline churches that are beginning to explore the concept of a vigil with Stations of the Cross, which is 14 Stations of the Cross. It each commemorates the path of Jesus' passion, which then leads us to another way to do vigil, which is, I don't, I mean, not everybody can do this, but I think that some people could do something like watching the Passion of the Christ by that Mel Gibson yeah. produced as an experience of vigil. And it's if you've never seen that, yeah. it is extremely raw and violent. I know there's some some churches I've been to one, and I don't remember where it was, where every stained glass window in the place was part of that fourteen the stations, stations of the cross. Oh, yes. Yes. So that could be another way to do it, right? Is to go somewhere that has that. Yeah, to go to a church that has that and just do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's legitimate, yep. and I think that actually there are probably churches that, well, I would think there are because there were when I was a kid mm-hmm. that encourage solo experience of Stations of the Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to an audio Bible of a section of again, we're thinking of just the Easter time, the pre-Easter time, mm-hmm. but the Gospel of John chapter 12 to 20, yep. which is again from the, the moment that Jesus said we're going to celebrate the Passover to his death and burial. Yep. Um, then you could also do the candlelight vigil, as Micah mentioned, centered on prayers. Maybe you're going to pray spontaneously, like Sandy's experience as a child in a prayer meeting at a church where people just prayed spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Or memorized prayers and again some people are in traditions that do that and some people have kind of an attitude against memorized prayers but i think that memorized prayers can be extremely Mm -hmm. helpful especially for mindfulness because you reduce the distraction for that some people experience in speaking extemporaneously to god in prayer yeah right um and then you could also select a scripture a a passage for as a guide for meditation short enough that maybe you can have it memorized or just put it on a card or whatever some type of way that you don't have to you can you have it right there available so that it's in the moment with you and then you could use or write or both meditations that are repeatable whether you're gonna do it as a group or whether you're gonna do it for yourself and so I'm suggesting that journaling 
while keeping vigil is legitimate if, if that's part of your plan. So, and I'm guessing that people, and in fact, I'd love to hear ideas of other people who have made yeah. you think about, this is what keeping vigil for me has been. Again, no God at TonyKafka.com. Just email us on that. We'd appreciate mm-hmm. hearing from you because I think this is a very underutilized aspect of coming to know God better. Yeah. I think we'd also love to hear stories of um, good vigils as people have been in, involved in in the past, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe in retrospect, you realize, oh, that's what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool about, again, just think about no judgment. And so if a person has gone to a candlelight vigil and you were on the peri- the periphery of it, it was like, me- you know, usually in memory of somebody, some situation, some like car accident, somebody died in, and you're more on the periphery, not knowing sh- sure how that should have worked. In retrospect, you can look back on it and maybe take a little bit of that pressure off yourself to feel like, what was I doing there? Mm-hmm. Well, there was a reason for you to be there and it was even unseen to you. And so again, to just accept that it is a, it is a is a moment to become mindful, and if it does that for you, it has done something significant for you. So we're really excited about how you might share with us, but also to just kind of expand that into your repertoire of being mindful. Awesome, yeah. So yeah, please give us those stories, give us those tips. Um, if you can't remember the email, just go to tonykafka.com, and that has email on it. Links it has email to link. Patreon. And it's a good way to just kind of keep track of everything that we're doing here. Right. And we'll continue to add mindfulness posts on TonyKafka.com, but also then in our Patreon, uh, we'll add stuff both accessible to anybody and then some that are in our membership tiers. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and we will talk to you again soon. If you have any questions, just email us at nogod at TonyKafka.com. That's K N O W. G-O-D at T-O-N-Y-K-A-F-K-A dot com.